Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. What if you could live your life without fear? Wouldn't that be amazing? For most of us, if we're honest, peace is this kind of elusive thing. It's like a, I see it sort of like a rare diamond uh, that's very expensive and almost impossible to find. And that's kind, of, that's kind of how peace is to most of us. It's just kind of this elusive concept. Maybe we, we know about it in, in thought, and, but not really in practice. And um, it's unfortunate because peace is available to anyone who decides to live in a relationship with God made possible by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is possible for anyone who believes. Especially as a, trial, as a child, I struggled with fear and anxiety. I think it was just part of my normal growing up. And when my heart couldn't beat any faster, and I was convinced that my bed covers uh, could no longer repel uh, a beating, a stabbing, or a shooting, I would bravely jump out of bed, run to my parents' room, wake them up so they could be my heroes. Uh, this was usually met with a check of the perimeter of my, uh, of my room, Dad, uh, would give me a word of comfort and say, there is nothing to be afraid of. Just, just go to bed, be still, try to go to sleep. And, and that was always true. Uh, there, there was never anything to be afraid of until our house was broken into and robbed. And, and then when that happened, of course, my anxiety increased exponentially. Maybe you could relate to this. Maybe uh, so much of what you're afraid of has just happened to you. The fact is, is that there are many things to be afraid of in our world. Any one of us can pull out a substantial list of relevant current realities of our worlds and make a good case for fear, right? And this has always been true in history. That's why any teaching telling us not to be afraid is hard for us to receive. And yet this teaching is common in the Bible. Now we see this uh, case in point. We see this in the New Testament when uh, the Christmas story, right? The angels are coming down. Uh, they appear to the shepherds um, and... Uh, as they're proclaiming uh, this beautiful message, the Bible tells us that they were in this, the radiance of the Lord's glory, which was absolutely frightening. We know that. Why? Because, well, the Bible tells us that, I quote, they were terrified. Right. So one of the first things the angel said to them was, uh, don't be afraid. Absolutely don't be afraid. Uh, of course, Jesus, uh, you know, not to be outdone, Jesus walks on water and uh, scares his disciples half to death. Uh, why do we know they were scared? Well, the Bible tells us three words. They were terrified. And the first thing Jesus says when he gets to him and speaks to him as he's standing and walking on the water, he says, don't be afraid. His assurance, take care, I'm with you. The presence of God always offered as a respite for the fear. Uh, I'm here, everything's gonna be okay, don't be afraid. And we, we need this encouragement from God, right? We need this desperately. We're afraid all the time. Uh, and we have things to be afraid of. The only time we're not afraid is when we're in the presence of God. Look, the Bible's full of these don't be afraid moments all the way through Scripture. And uh, for today's Scripture portion, yet another teaching against fear, we turn to 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 to, through 12. I'm going to read the, the, the first section, but let, let me introduce this reading uh, with just a little history here. So Paul is writing this particular passage in Scripture. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who used to be called Saul, 
who uh, terrorized Christians and then uh, was converted uh, by Jesus through a vision. And so he's now uh, committed the rest of his life to serving God. So now he's writing a letter. This is towards the end of his ministry, probably 25, 30 years after he began his initial ministry. He's writing to Timothy, who he loves dearly, sees Timothy as, as his son, actually. We first see about Timothy um, around the Macedonian call, we call it, and we see this in, in uh, Acts uh, chapter 16. So Timothy and Paul are, are ministry partners. Uh, they're, they're, they're best buds. Matter of fact, they're so close. It's like a father-son relationship. We know this because in his letter, Paul makes this comment. He says, listen, every time I think about you, I think about, uh, I think about the tears. Uh, that we shared. Uh, in other words, those goodbye tears. The only, only time you cry bitterly is if you love someone dearly, when you say goodbye to him, bitter tears. He speaks of this incre incredible love he has for him. Well, one of the reasons why Paul is writing this letter is to ask for Timothy to come and see him. See this in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 12. And we're not going to pop this up for you so you can see it. But um, it, the, the letter, the second letter to Timothy is this declaration of, of love, but also encouragement for Timothy. And uh, Paul is writing to Timothy from prison. So he's in prison. He, we know he's about to die. Second Timothy 4, 6 uh, gives us that heads up. And so he's saying, listen, I know I'm about to die, but I'm okay. Don't be ashamed of, that I'm in prison. I'm, I'm doing great. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Please come see me. In other words, please come see me before I die. Tradition uh, tells us that Paul was beheaded uh, shortly thereafter, uh, somewhere in the west part of Rome on the Ostian Way. So before he dies, before he's killed from prison, he knows he's about to die. He writes this letter to Paul. Uh, sorry, he writes this letter to Timothy. This is what he says, 2 Timothy 1, um, 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as I did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Paul is saying to Timothy, you have the spirit of God. This was given to you. This is the gift. But this spirit is not a spirit of fear. Paul is saying to Timothy, remember this, and fan into flame this gift of God. Fear fills the emptiness of our lives when we are not filled by the Spirit of God. Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God. Be filled by the Spirit to have peace. Spirit filling, however, does not happen outside of your faith in the truth, the good news, that is, the gospel. We have to know God personally and be convinced of His truth. We need to fan into flame our relationship as well as our convictions. Uh, most, most everyone has at least once in their life tried to start a fire. Uh, I, I don't think I know anyone who hasn't tried to start a fire unless they're toddlers. 
Sometimes you have to get air to the fire to get it going. Have you ever done this before where you start trying to start a fire and you just you, you, you light it and it just doesn't seem to take off? And so you, you spend time doing whatever you can uh, to get air to, to those embers to get it going. I have bent the, the tops of pots uh, and plates trying to get enough air to get the embers into flames. Uh, very often I start a braai doing this with utensils and then as the flame is going then I try to reshape the utensils back into place so they fit on top of my pots. I've blown uh, into embers until I almost pass out uh, trying to get oxygen to that fire. Uh, there's always a point though when finally, finally you have success and the fire takes off. A new reality sets in and now it would take work to put the fire out. We need to work at getting our relationship with God and our understanding of God where it needs to be. Outside of that, we don't have peace. We need to get our walk and our minds to, to a place where they work in automatic. Peace comes to us when we are walking in the Spirit and filtering our thinking about life and eternity through the filter of the gospel. Paul had to come to a point of knowing his Savior intimately enough and he was fully convinced of the facts of this new reality in Christ. Thus, no fear, no shame, and a great excitement of what was ahead. Not dreading the future, but excited about it. How is that even possible? If you look towards the end of chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, uh, this is what he says. He says, because of this gospel, it says, uh, I, I suffer as I do. He says, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. He didn't say what I believe. I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. I know Him. I'm intimate with the Father. And then he says, And I'm convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul lived intimately walking with God the Father, Spirit-filled. And he also walked convinced, completely convinced of the truth of the gospel. And that produced in him a life of no fear, a life of calm, of contentment. We see this. He says, I've learned to be content in all things. So he's in prison. He's about to be killed. And yet he's not ashamed. He's not fearful. He's still loving. He's still, he's still operating in self-control. Why? Because he's filled with the Spirit and he's operating in the knowledge, the conviction of what's true. We need to know whom we have believed. That's phase one. How do we fan the flames? Well, we, we fan into flame the reality of the gift of the Spirit of God that has been given to us. Uh, when we live outside of His feeling, we live in fear. When we live filled with the Spirit, we live in power, love, and self-control. That's what he says. Fan into flame the Spirit, which is not a fear, but it's a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Power. What kind of power is he talking about here in this, in this verse? I really believe the power that he's talking about is this power to have the boldness and the courage uh, to, to speak the truth about God, the good news of the gospel. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, later uh, in this letter, as he's closing, uh, summarizing his letter, he says this. The first time I was, bought, I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. So Paul is telling about this time where he's, he's in prison, he's been brought before the judge, he's alone, and it could be a horrible, fear, fearful moment. He says, no one was with me, 
And he goes on to say, everyone abandoned me. And he says, may it not be counted against them. Let, let, let's don't judge them for not being with me when I stood before the judge. Verse 17 says this. But, this is such a powerful passage here. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Goes on to say in verse 18, Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. What is he saying here? Look, in, in one of the worst possible moments of my life, standing before the judge, you know, Paul's not guilty of anything, but he's standing before the judge, feeling very alone. Uh, he says he wasn't alone because Jesus stood with him. Jesus stood with him. And then he goes on to say, I'm convinced that God's going to save me. I'm convinced that ultimately I'm going to see God face to face. So his, his strength was the real presence of living God in his life and his being convinced uh, of the truth. That's power. That's power. Psalm 23. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The power is this power to proclaim against all odds the good news of the gospel. Love. The Spirit is the spirit of power, love, and self-control. Love. Uh, to consider others more important than yourself. What, what essentially what love does is that love overwhelms our self-protective self and, and, and leads us to serve others. It, it overwhelms whatever fears we might have, and we just serve people. We love them. Love overwhelms our fears. Uh, love is why uh, in this world that we live in today, we hug friends and family even at the risk of infection. L love seems to trump even our logic uh, and go against all of our fears, and we just, we just embrace. Uh, that's what love does. Love acts, and love thinks of the other more than themselves. Self-control. This ability to be calm when everyone else is going nuts. The Spirit of God is not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Uh, one of my favorite true stories of all time that, that I think illustrates this idea of self-control. Uh, we used to live in Rundu, and a friend of mine told me a story of uh, one afternoon he was in his backyard uh, sitting around the pool with his family and uh, they had little children and specifically a three-year-old daughter and uh, he went inside the house for a moment to get something to drink and when he came back out he saw that his three-year-old was staring down a black mamba. The black mamba had raised up its head and they were facing each other, probably both of them scared to death of the other but frozen in fear. What do you do in that situation? That's exactly what I asked him when he was telling me the story. What would you do before he could finish the story? I was thinking, did you run? Did you tackle? Did you put your body in between? No, he said he very calmly but quickly went into his house as quietly as possible to get his shotgun and he came out and took time to aim to make sure that he didn't hit his daughter and he shot uh, the, the head of the snake off uh, right beside his daughter with a shotgun. And that's, that's self-control self-control. The Spirit of God gives us this kind of self-control, to be calm in the face of extreme danger, to be at peace, to be content when everything is falling about and falling around us. 
uh, we can live in the spirit of power, love, and self-control, the opposite of fear. Without Him, we can do nothing. The kind of power, love, and self-control can only come through the Spirit of God. It can't come on our own efforts. We're told clearly all through Scripture that without Him, we can do nothing. We will always be led by, controlled by, uh, filled with fear when we are not filled with the Spirit, when the Spirit is not uh, conducting and leading our lives. Paul says, fan into flame this beautiful gift that God has given you. Uh, the Spirit of God um, longs to fill you and to lead your life. But none of, these, none of this is possible, this Spirit filling, really, until we are convinced that He actually exists, right? Uh, it, if we can talk about the Spirit all day long, but if we don't know who He is, uh, that He exists, uh, we're not going to place our faith into Him. The fact that He loves us and has a plan for our life is something we need to understand very often before we can actually say, Spirit, fill me. That's why the gospel, which is the good news, is key to peace. We need to know Him, but also be convinced by Him. So the key to peace is not only being filled by Him, but also being convinced by Him. I keep reading here, uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, 6 and following now. For this reason, Paul says, after he says, uh, fan into flame, for this reason, you need to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony. Don't be ashamed of this truth about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, for I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. This life and what happens to us after we die are totally clear to Paul. He lived his life convinced that the good news about Jesus, about the, Jesus saving us was actually true. He lived in real dangers of, of this life, always with a perspective that this was not the end. I'm not ashamed, he says, for I know and I am personally acquainted with him whom I have believed with absolute trust and confidence in Him, and I am persuaded beyond any doubt that He is able to guard that which I have entrusted to Him until that day when I stand before Him. Paul was convinced that this was not the end. He says here, uh, I see life and I see eternity. I see this life and the life that's coming, the eternal life that's coming. I see it all from the lens of the gospel. And I live my life in that reality. I'm convinced that this is not the end. He talks about how that death has been abolished. He says, look, death has been abolished. And the gospel is this good news that sheds light on this life and the life to come. He says, I live in that truth. I live in that reality. Jesus has abolished death. Death is not a final place of darkness and torment. It's now a transition to life. Through Jesus, I have fruit of the Spirit now, 
regardless of circumstances. I can be okay, joy-filled, content, and at peace. This life is followed by an eternity with the one who loves me and the one I love. Death no longer is the game changer, right? Jesus is the game changer. Separation from God is death. Connection with God is life. So Jesus abolished death. Are we living in that reality? Or does death loom over us like this thing that we try to avoid at all costs, which creates fear, uh, anxiety, and we're always so afraid of that moment of death, when in reality, if we lived in the truth of Christ, that, that death actually is not the end, that Jesus has abolished death. It's merely a transition into incredible life. Doesn't that give us peace, just the knowledge of that? What if we live like that? What if we interpreted and filtered life through that lens at all times? That this is really not the end, that life goes on in a beautiful, wonderful way after the transition of death. So the gospel brings life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul interpreted life through the lens of the good news. The gospel is good news about what Jesus has done to make our relationship right with God. We have passed from death to life. Look, the, the Bible is a large book, right? But it only takes three chapters in, in, into the reading before you see the word afraid, right? This is, you know, in Genesis we see this. The first time you ever hear about a man being afraid is, is in relation to Adam and Eve. Fear entered their lives the moment after they sinned and then were separated in their relationship with God. Genesis is so clear. It's so interesting. He says, listen, when I, uh, I, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, this is after they sinned, Adam is speaking here. I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid uh, because I was naked, so, so I hid myself. Fear always enters our life when we are separated from God. Fear is a direct result of separation from God. The gospel is about restoring that relationship. The, the good news, the gospel, is, is this information, this good news about having our relationship restored with God. So. The bad news is that we're separated from God. The good news is that through Christ we can be rejoined with God and therefore fear takes a hike and peace fills in those vacuums. That's how it works. Since the garden, we live in a world filled with suffering, disease, poverty, racism, natural disasters, war, aging, and death. And it all stems from the wrath of God and curse of God on the world. The world is out of joint, right? We know this and we need to be rescued. All human problems are ultimately symptoms and our separation from God is the cause. The reason for our misery, all the effects of the curse, is that we are not reconciled to God. And we see this in the New Testament, different passages that, that sin actually separates us. We become enemies of God through sin. And through Christ, we are restored into a right relationship with Him. The good news is that we can have a relationship with God. We can have real life again. Even though we have di <laughs> we've disconnected from God by doing all kinds of wrong things. Look, our, our behavior, how we've treated God, deserves the punishment of death, mainly because uh, what we've done is against Him personally. And there's no greater being, there's, nothing, there's no one greater 
than God. Therefore, sin against him deserves the punishment of death. Instead of us dying for our actions, God, because he loves us so very much, sent his own son to, to pay the price on our behalf. Jesus was killed on a cross. He died and then came back to life. He overcomes death and is able to give us this same kind of overcoming power. That's the good news. We can have life in Christ. God gives this gift of life to us if we're willing to turn away from our bad behavior and believe that He died and rose again and then trust our lives to His saving and leadership in our lives. This is what Romans 10, 9-11 here, the words of Paul. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. So, that's the good news. That's the gospel. Paul is saying, look, I filter life through that truth. That I was lost without Jesus, and then Jesus died for me. Now I have life. I have life eternal. That's now how Paul is filtering his life. And, and, and that's how we need to filter our lives through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of this good news. L living in peace is possible if we believe. Uh, we need to be convinced of this. We need to fan into flames this truth, to blow on it until this truth is, 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 consumes us. We are convinced with no doubt that this is a fact, that this is not the end, that in Christ we have life and life eternal. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Chuck Yeager, who is known for being the first man ever to break the sound barrier in an, in an aircraft, uh, passed away uh, last year, December of 2020. He was 97 years old. And the reason why I tell you the story of Chuck Yeager today is because uh, he was, he's actually known for uh, his courage. He's known for his, uh, his bravery in, in horrible circumstances. What was the secret? So uh, Chuck Yeager uh, was raised by a father who was a miner, who mined for natural gas. And he used to, he used to not only hunt and fish with his father, but his father would take him to the oil fields where, where he would mine for natural gas. And one of the ways they did this was there was drilling, but there was also blasting. And um, Chuck Yeager's father and he together would take nitroglycerine into these holes and set chargers on them to, to, to blow up holes in order to, uh, to get to the natural gas. A very, very dangerous, dangerous job. One thing his father taught him though as a kid was that nitroglycerine, which if you shake it, it can, can be volatile all by itself, learn to be calm in the face of danger. And so uh, that, that calmness was important all the way up till the nitroglycerine was set, the charge was set, and then they backed out. He learned to be calm in the face of danger. Jaeger uh, is known for taking off in many more planes that he landed because a lot of the planes that he took off in uh, were, were test planes and something would go wrong, then he would eject. Uh, the plane would, would be lost, but he would be saved. Over 10,000 hours and over 330 models of aircraft is what he did. He had an unusual ability to, to, to be calm right before he, he, he was potentially about to die. How did he do it? Uh, he would carefully let his training lead him in those moments. And this is what he said, his words, in his memoir. He said this, 
all the years as a pilot, um, I, I did everything I could to learn everything I could about my airplane and my emergency equipment. Uh, I, I may not have, uh, it may not have accorded with his image, but as he told it, he says, I've always, I've, I was always afraid of dying, always. So uh, how did he deal with his fear? He dealt with his fear by becoming an expert in his plane, an expert of the emergency equipment so that when something went wrong, it was automatic. And he moved and did with his training and that kept him alive over and over again. Had he allowed fear to replace his knowledge, uh, he would have been in big, big trouble. Jaeger saw danger always through the lens of understanding and through education. He learned everything he could about the airplane and the emergency saving equipment. When in danger, he followed his training to the letter. It's automatic for him. Look, I don't know um, where Chuck Yeager was in his relationship with God. I think we can learn from him. I think we can learn from this uh, attitude of allowing the training uh, to guide our steps. Look, the, the gospel, the good news of Christ, uh, the truth of the gospel, the gospel is the good news, sheds light on who our Savior is and can be. The one who gives us peace that is beyond our understanding. We've got to be convinced of the good news. This life and the life after we die has to be seen through the lens of the gospel. Perhaps you and I, as we live in our anxiety and our fear, perhaps maybe the only problem is, is that we've forgotten the truth of the gospel. We need to remind ourselves of our great salvation that we have in Christ. We need to fan into flame this truth. Look, the reality of our lives as believers and followers of Christ is that we are going to suffer. Uh, these words in the book of Revelation, um, God says to the church in Smyrna, He says this, I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I'll give you the crown of life. Uh, suffering in this world is, 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 is part of the deal. But we can have peace in Christ. There's so many things to be afraid of, but in Christ we can have peace. Why? Because Jesus has abolished death. And then we walk in this life. And as we think about eternity, we do so through the lens of the gospel. Look, we need to filter the immediate. In other words, we need to filter this small situation that we're in now. This is really small compared to eternity. We need to filter the immediate situation that we're feeling fear in. This thing that's overwhelming us with anxiety and fear, we need to filter that through the big overall truth of the gospel. When you think about it, the, the, the big truth, that is the gospel, the good news of Christ, should overwhelm whatever small situation that we live in day to day. And so exactly what I'm saying to you is this, that, that peace is possible, that when we're in the small situations, we allow the big truth of the gospel to rule our lives. We need to align our thinking away from uh, small things, uh, small gods, quite frankly, 
uh, that has our attention and align ourselves with the biggest God of all, the one who is overall, stronger than all. The good news is that we have new life in the Spirit and the old has gone. So as we live this new life filled by the Spirit, thinking in terms of, of the truth of the gospel, we can have peace. God gave us a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Fan the flame. the flame. Fan the flame. Be convinced of that. We need to filter our lives through this lens of the gospel. Outside of that lens, life is worthy of fear. There's a lot to be afraid of. But through the Spirit, there's peace. And as Paul says, it's a peace that, that is beyond our understanding, but, but comes with understanding. Paul says this, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Peace is not an elusive, rare diamond. We've been given a gift if we have believed in Jesus. We might just need to understand better what the gift is all about. And above all, get to know the one who saved us. We need to fan the flame. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so very much, Father, for peace that is ours if we, if we walk in the way you ask us to walk. Lord, help us with our understanding. Lord, help us to be diligent enough to, to work out our salvation, Father, to, to really work at it to understand what it means to be free in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you've abolished death. And thank you, God, now that we have a, a different life now. And Lord, we have a life for eternity that is in your presence. Lord Jesus, help us, Father, to filter this world, which is a difficult world to live in, Father, but help us to filter this through the gospel. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.